Stel maar dan eens wat een paar schus niet zoven. Bekante poesik. Kikur wat echt wat over mooi bevriegel wafgel als oeser. Zo'n nummer pinches verbrengt elkaar het. Ik zei something beautiful that the way to come to Hashem, the person wants to be close to Hashem. Kur velech wadov mo. It's very, it's very easy, very simple for you to be close to Hashem. Befichu. He said there's something called zevigim bepe. You can be close with Hashem with your mouth. Hashem was metzamtzim kabiyuchol. Hashem was metzamtzim his shchina. Hashem brought down his shchina in every dibber, the dibber that a person says. And how do you know? Because you could see it. That's what it says in the pinches. You could see. You could see when a person talks to Hashem. A person, a person learns the Torah with his mouth. A person davens to Hashem. He has a shchina on, on his lips. The types that the, the Toldis brings. And Tishkim and Mein Shvatoyim. Shvatoyim. It's a pusik and tilim. Shvatoyim is Shvasayim. Hashem is waiting by the lips of a, of a Yid to see what's going to come out of his lips. The shchina is so close to you because it's Befichu Evil Vavchul Asoysay. You don't have to be on a big madrag. You just start talking and Hashem is there right away. When we talk about relationships, right? The, the biggest relationship is our relationship with Hashem and that's something that we always learn from. But so many relationships have so many... Um, parts of them that look challenging, but really, it's not, so, it's not so hard. It's not so far. If you know what to say, and you know how to say it, and you communicate, this is the question that Ayyushi gives people, human beings, right? This is the Riyach Mamalullah. Hashem gives us the Koyach Bepeh. If people communicate well, instead of either expecting someone to read your mind, or instead of you reading someone's mind and assuming that you understand, instead of communicating, and when you know how to communicate and what to communicate, what not to say, what yes to say, when to say it, what tone to say it, there's so much that can be accomplished. I, I, I almost haven't seen a relationship problem which, when addressed properly and responsibly and uh, spoken about in the right time, in the right context, in the right way, not to be afraid to say what should be said and not to go and say what should not be said and things like that, so much could, could be resolved. So like this, just like Hashem makes it so easy to connect with Him, with our mouth, you should realize how easy it is for you to connect with other people with your mouth and just figure out what it, what's important to say and how to say it and when to say it. And with Hashem's help, you know, with the proper communication, um, there's, there's so much that can be accomplished. And that's something that I try to uh, explain very often. I, I'll say this, and a lot of times that I talk about in my classes, what could you do, right? And people quote me on that already a lot of times, like, when there's a problem, what could you do in this problem? Very often, two people are not getting along. They're both not taking care of each other. What could you do? You could take care of the other person. But they don't take care of me. I know, but you could still be the one to initiate and do your best move, even though there's something that someone else should be doing as well. But then there's sometimes that somebody is, let's say, abusing you, taking advantage of you, hurting you. Let's say, you're, you're a real victim. I'm not talking about people who claim victim and cry victim and really are, 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 are perpetrators. Even when somebody's a real victim, what could you do? I'm, I'm a victim. You know what you could do? You could communicate. Have you spoken about how hurt you are? Did you say it the right way? Or did you just turn into a fight? Did you just decide to keep quiet? Sometimes what you could do is not more than communicate, but that's a lot. So, there's so much that you could do if only you say something the right way, and you say it with with heart, the way it should be said, in the right time, and that hopefully could accomplish very much. Now, I have a, a question here, a situation, I guess you call it. No, it's not a question. That somebody wrote to me. Hmm, it's, it's, it's more than three pages long. I, I, I doubt the whole thing is important to read. On the other hand, I, I didn't have the time to prepare and start cutting out lines. So I think I'm going to try to skim it a little bit, but I hope that it, it comes out clear of the situation and we'll be able to give some clarity with Hashem's help. I recently discovered your lectures and I'm soaking them up. I've been getting a lot from them. I apologize in advance if this is long. Okay. 
So first of all, thank you for listening to me, and I'm sorry that it took a few months to get this answer, but here goes. My husband and I have a good relationship. Our personalities click well, and I truly consider him my best friend. I'm well aware that this is not something to be taken for granted. Wonderful. Good. You, you already um, took it out of my mouth. You should not take for granted when you feel close and you understand each other and you're connected well. Okay, that being said, there's an issue that keeps on coming up for me every few, and every few months I explode from it. Usually just internally. Okay, I wouldn't call that exploding. Uh, but once in a while, but once or twice a year, I dump it on my husband and then I say things that I shouldn't. Okay, maybe it's actually several different issues, but in my mind they are connected. So here goes. I'm the main breadwinner of the family. When we married, my husband was in coil, and now he dabbles in a few different areas which where he's able to use his unique skills and talents. And through this, he supplements our income. At this point, it's not practical to change this arrangement. I have a good career, and I'm very happy at my job, although there, are times, there were times over the years that I was not happy. Although my husband has a unique contribution to make to the world, and it would be a pity for him to let it go to waste, but to be fair, I did think that he would eventually make more money, and that really didn't happen. It's not so much that I resent the arrangement, although I do. It's more that I resent the assumptions and the attitude that comes along with it, which I feel I made worse by my husband's personality. I feel that this arrangement is taken for granted, and I feel taken for granted. I would want my, I would want my husband to acknowledge that this is a luxury, that he can spend his days doing what he loves, even though it doesn't make nearly enough money to support a family. Usually when a husband goes to work, his wife sends with him food and has a meal cooked for him when he, comes, when he gets home, but that's... If that's not the case, it's considered a valid issue if it bothers him. In my case, I prepare my own food, and when I come home, I serve the family the food that I cooked the night before, and many times without getting any appreciation. To be fair, I did tell him I need more appreciation, and he's trying. I've been trying to get my husband to have the table clear, the tablecloth out before I come home without me specifically asking each day, but it didn't stick. He didn't understand the big deal why I can't just ask him to do it when I get home. Okay. And when things bother me like this, he tells me I should just get over it. I also remember when I saw somebody else had a tragedy, unfortunately, I was saying to myself, you know, this family just had such a loss in the family and all I'm thinking about how my husband told me to get over something. But then again, I do have resentments that I'm holding on to since the beginning of my marriage and I'm embarrassed to say how long I married. When I had a full-time schedule to stick to, my husband wasn't doing, was doing what he wanted to do. I took it personally when I felt he wasn't taking his learning seriously. I felt he owed it to me because I was supporting him. He's the type that likes to be on his own schedule. Sometimes he learn extra after hours, but also sometimes wasted time during the day. And the default assumption that I would deal with the kids whenever I wasn't working and he was free to do his own thing. Okay, in addition, I don't feel like he feels responsibility for us. When I hear stories about men who who were sick on their deathbed and told people to take care of their families after they were gone, I can't see my husband feeling responsible for us in that way. In general, he has a more passive personality. He doesn't take initiative. I feel like any changes in our life, whether moving or getting insurance, all happen because I took the initiative. Something that if not for the fact that I I was being proactive, we'd... Sometimes I think that if I wouldn't have been proactive, we'd probably still be living in our first apartment. You might think that I'm a real doer, and that's why I do this, but it's far from the truth. I'm more similar to my husband than you would think. It's just that I take care of things because they have to get done. And I know that nobody's going to pick up my slack. I do have a problem-solving nature, though. I'm always looking for solutions. My husband is completely the opposite. Whenever we discuss a problem, it's a stalemate because he says there's nothing to do about it. He says, I think every problem has a solution. And I say he thinks no problem has a solution. The result is that we end up dealing with certain things, that I end up doing, dealing with certain things because he says there's nothing to do. And that's that. I just want to feel taken care of sometimes and that everything, and not everything is on my head. I should, I should add that my husband does help around the house. I think in his eyes he helps me a lot. I'm sure if I wasn't full, working full time it would, it would be considered a lot. He means well. It's more the attitude that I feel that everything is ultimately on my shoulders. He likes to help but on his terms. Okay, and some more of this uh, 
kind of thing where he's not helping enough and, and I wanted to do something and, and, and whatever. When I asked him to do something and it wasn't done, and I asked him why it wasn't done, he'll tell me that, well, he asked one of the kids to do it, and they didn't. Um, a few times over the years, he suddenly, he suddenly stopped doing a job that he had been doing for a few years without discussing it with, with me first. And he has certain things that he just doesn't do, like giving the children peanut butter because it gets his shirt dirty. In any case, he definitely relies on me to pick up the slack. He's a big procrastinator, and, he, and we work on it, and it just makes it I can't depend on him for certain things. He has a very hopeless attitude toward life. For example, he will go to pieces if there's a blackout in the house and I have to be the strong one and the calm one. And I can give so many other examples to this. Why do I always have to be the strong and capable one? And once when we went out to a restaurant and I asked him to take care of something and he told me I should do it and I was wondering, I thought you're taking me out to eat, etc. Interestingly, she writes that I can't deny that I saw this ten- tendency clearly when we were dating and engaged, but I guess I didn't realize how much it would, have, it would affect real life. Guess which one of us drives a car and which one of us doesn't like to. Over the years, it happened more than once that we had to make a decision. And he said it didn't make a difference to him, even though I begged him for an opinion. So it ended up being on my shoulders again to decide. Yeah, often when there's a problem, he tells me it's a total disaster, even when it's something minor, and I need to be the strong one. Um, same thing was when we bought a house, and we did a mortgage, and, and the bank, and things like that. And it was all on me and I felt like aren't you the man of the house why do I have to ask you to make every move and part of the problem is that I hold it all inside I don't really know how to say these things nicely and calmly and in a way that, it won't, that he won't get defensive sometimes when I do explode and criticize him I always end up feeling like I'm making a big deal of things one reason is because he never brings up any problem due to his passive personality so I'm always the one um, complaining shouldn't I be lucky that he doesn't complain about anything in any case, I see this happening in our future as well. I'm afraid that when we talk about wedding expenses and things like that, he'll have no idea what, what to do about it, and I'll be the one taking care of this and shidduchim and everything else. Same thing with his health that he doesn't take so, so, so much care of and, and things like that. I don't want to be my husband's mother, I want to be his wife. Sometimes he puts himself down. For example, he'll joke that I'm useless, but I hate when he does it because I feel that it's just a way of him absolving himself of doing more. Without going into details, it's not hard to see where all these differences in attitude come from by looking at our parents. And since I can't change my husband, what can I do going forward? How do I let go of these resentments from over the years? Okay. So, that was uh, long enough. Um, if I had to sum it up, I guess it's not so different from if anyone was listening to both my classes this week. Um, the English class was a little similar. Uh, less resentment. If anything, more the other way around. But also a, a wife who's naturally stronger than a husband who's more passive and easygoing. Uh, in this case, but it's a cause of a lot of resentment. And it's a cause of a woman feeling like she has to carry all the responsibility on her own and not handling it. So let, let me say this. The first thing I want to say is that even though in this case it doesn't seem like differently than the other class, it doesn't seem like the husband and wife are both asking the question together. So I don't know, I'm not really here to address the husband and tell him what he should be doing differently. But I will say this much, and I know that I have a lot of men that listen to these classes weekly, and I think it's important for men to hear this. It's important for men to know, and, this, and like I said, there's something I spoke in the other class as well. A man is a man, and he has a responsibility that he accepted upon himself when he got married. He's getting himself into something, leading a home, being the man, um, being the breadwinner actually as well, part of responsibility of being a husband, bringing Panusa, being responsible for bringing Panusa. And the fact that sometimes the arrangement works the other way around, where a woman is taking more or certain responsibilities, and is stronger, and uh, deals with things well, it, it could be wonderful. 
as long as it's not being imposed on anyone. So as long as nobody's controlling the other one, as long as there's no resentment, as long as there's nobody dictating or or, or throwing one on the other responsibilities, that could be fine. It doesn't matter how a, a Yiddish Shetiv is set up. People ask me this all the time. I spoke a class once about this as well. Is it a problem if the woman runs the finances? Is it a problem if the husband... Not, nothing. Is the problem the husband does bedtime? The woman does bedtime. There's no problem. As long as, it's, as long as it's coming from a mutual understanding, we understand who's better at what, or we agree to this, or we're happy with the arrangement, that's fine. The second it becomes a matter of resentment, then you have to realize something's wrong over here. Especially when it's a husband who's not being the man of the house. It's a problem. So I'm not telling this to a woman to use against her husband, Chazor Shulam, and every woman should just hear what she could do to make things better. But if anyone's listening to this, and any husband feels like, you know, maybe I'm not stepping up to the plate, maybe my wife is feeling like you know, everything's being dumped on her, maybe I should be doing more, then, then it's definitely something that um, you should think about. It could be that some people will say, well, if my wife wouldn't do so much, I would do more. She's in my way. She doesn't let me do anything. It could be. It could be. So think about it. But if there's something you should be doing and could be doing, and the fact that you're not doing means it's falling on someone else who's being resentful about it and just picking it up because they don't have a choice, it's something to think about. And interestingly, and I heard this from Aruv, who pointed it out to me many times, you have Yingalad that are sitting and learning in Koilu, which is beautiful. Shivalite and, and, and Tarusa and Nusa, and their day is given away to learn in Torah. It, it's still not a reason to absolve yourself of all responsibility, feeling like a yeshiva bocher who married a mother who's taking care of his needs because he's in yeshiva. Being in Koil means that you don't have to cover the bills with your paycheck. And it means that you don't have to be home at the time that you're learning. It doesn't mean that other responsibilities that belong to a husband shouldn't be taken care of. And it also doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want and go to Koil whenever you want and get up whenever you want because, you know, what do you care? I'm anyway in Koil, so, so I don't have to be there on time because the Koil doesn't matter. It's serves mom. And your wife is busy getting up and getting the kids out. And, well, you, know, you have to wake up early because you have a job and I don't... There's something about just being responsible and showing that you care and showing that you're taking responsibility and other than anything that has to do specifically with you sitting and learning and the arrangement that was agreed upon, everything else is definitely, is definitely on you. It doesn't say in the exhibit that you know, when I leave Koil after however many years, that's when I'll step up to the plate and take care of my responsibilities and I'll make sure that everything's going well. So this is something that every man should understand and something that's very important. I'll, I'll say that much. Now, let me, let me talk a little about the situation over here. Let me call this first part of what we'll be discussing here the parts that are normal and okay and don't necessarily have to change. Very often we want things to change. Very often in the best case scenario in our dreams and fantasy land there are things that could change and things that we would change if we could. And sometimes we just have to get back to real life and, and reality and say, you know what, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe, maybe this is the way it could be. I also would like if the winter in New York wasn't so cold and the summer wasn't so hot and didn't snow and rain and that when it did I didn't need an umbrella but there are certain things that okay, it is what it is and even if it to me it seems like I would have a better plan which of course we know is not true and of course Hashem is doing everything the best that it could be in every area but it is what it is and I'll accept it because it's normal it's normal this is, this is the way of life there are challenges in life so let me first talk about the things that aren't um, terrible let's call it and I hope nobody feels like I'm trivializing anything that's I'm difficult to someone. The first thing is that your situation that you're mentioning here, I don't want to say it's not all that bad because, you know, who am I to say? If somebody's struggling or challenged by a certain ongoing difficulty, then, then, then it's, you know, I understand that. I really do. And it's valid. But it's not so out of the ordinary. It's definitely a myth to think that all men take the responsibility and take the initiative and are the ones that run the mortgage and the house and the shidduch. It's a myth. As a matter of fact, like I spoke in the Yiddish class, in the class in the Yiddish one, 
that very often this arrangement is a lechitchildig arrangement that, that the husband and wife agree upon almost. There are many homes where shatchan calls and the mother is taking the calls for shaduchim. There are many homes where it comes to getting the kids into the schools or, or the moises and, and the mother takes care of it. And there are many homes that the father takes care of it. And so often that I hear men and women, women both saying, don't all men take care of this thing? Aren't the women supposed to be doing this? Aren't the, isn't it a husband's thing? Isn't it a father's thing? Isn't it a, man, a woman's thing? It's not. Just, just recently somebody was complaining to me about the fact that you know, conversations are stale and we don't talk a lot and whatever. And he throws in, isn't, isn't it always the, the wife who's supposed to make the conversation? Again, I, I don't know if it's always, I don't know if it's usually, but it's definitely not across the board. That definitely... Uh, women that are quieter or less talkative, there, are, there is such a thing. You could ask your wife if she has friends that are less talkative, and you'll see that there are such a thing. And between your sisters, you'll notice those that are more and less, the ones that are better conversationalists, and those that are not. And, and, who, and why are you putting it on her? The fact that in your mother's house it was like that, or your sister's, or your neighbor's house. It's something to understand that, that the, the all men and all women myth, the Mars and Venus myth, and a lot of other ideas that people um, try to, pin on a spouse because based on their understanding of how genders work it should be someone else's it's not really that way I'm not going to say that it's not most homes a certain way in certain areas but it's definitely not across the board there are definitely homes that the women run the finances and the, I'm saying the cheshboinus and the paying the bills and the husbands that do other things there's definitely a lot of ways to work things out this doesn't take away responsibility of a husband to bring panus I'm not saying that I'm just saying that you know, to think that this is lopsided and to be resentful about the, the fact that it's not the way it should be you know Something to think about. It's not necessarily so. And I'm saying this because it's important for everyone to hear this. There's so many things in your home, whoever's listening to this, that you assume would be better if only it would be the right way without realizing that it's just fine, it's right, it's not, you know, by, by many people it's like that. The fact that you would want a different, a different arrangement that would work better for you, it's understandable. It is understandable. There's not, nothing wrong with it. So the fact that I've been talking lately in the last few weeks about women not taking the lead, not controlling the home, my main point was that it shouldn't be in a way that the woman is dominating and controlling someone else. But the fact that in some homes, by default, the woman is the one that's stepping up to the plate and doing certain things and making certain arrangements, either because she's better at it or more attuned to it or more naturally um, uh, attracted to whatever responsibility, that's okay. And especially if your husband's not resenting it, then, then it's already not uh, problematic in that sense of, of why is the woman wearing the pants. It's not called wearing the pants. Wearing the pants is when you take it off of someone else. Now, what you're describing, I must say, sounds to me much more like, instead of a deficiency of a male-female arrangement uh, uh, not being the way it should be, it's much more of a personality issue. That's what it sounds like. I mean, you mentioned in the middle, I'm not really a doer. I don't know if you are or not a doer, but like you mentioned, you're a problem solver. You're somebody who does find a way to deal with things. You're somebody who does not really have the patience to just let things sit, which is fine. Somebody who does take initiative. That's who you are. Your husband is not. This is a personality issue. The bad news is it's not changing. The good news is it's not terrible. It's, it's allowed to be that way. And it's, like I said, something I spoke in the Yiddish class as well. There are people who, who are constantly resenting a certain natural personality, natural characteristics of another person, wishing and hoping that they'd be different. And it doesn't happen like that. You read my book, Get Along With Everyone, you'll see how I, I talk about this and the first part of it is acceptance, accepting yourself and accepting other people for who they are. And then working with it. But first understand it's not changing. So many men complain... Why is my wife so strong? When, and the wife is not controlling, just, just strong. Many men complain the other way around. Why is my wife so schwach? Why, why does she keep on asking me? She can't make a decision for her life. I come home at the end of a long day. She has a thousand questions. She doesn't know what to do about anything. Right? So some people think that's great. That means the husband. Some people would appreciate Oh, so she lets me make the decision. Some people can't stand it. 
and the other way around as well. A woman complains that the husband's too strong and too, and, and too soft and too weak and too this. A personality has to be accepted. And, and it's, it's important for everyone to just be reasonable and understanding of, of what another person is and what their strengths is and what their weaknesses are and, and then working with it. So, so it, it's definitely important. You know, so often a doer, somebody who's naturally a problem solver, more goal-oriented, fast-paced, could go mishiga from somebody who's just the opposite. And when someone you marry, or it's a child of yours, that's what you accept and work with, and say, you know what, it is what it is. I'll, I'll slow down a little, or I'll make more place for someone, or I'll, or I'll step up to the place, to the plate, and cover for the person who's not as fast as I am, and the person who lets me do it, and I'm happy that this person lets me do it, and is not getting in my way. Imagine if your husband got in your way and didn't let you make decisions, and made you, um, you know, go along with his indecisiveness or his uh, lack of initiative, and that people that do that. Why are we doing this so fast? Why don't we think about it? We thought about it. Yeah, but I'm not really sure. So what are you going to wait for? You're never going to be sure. Your husband's not doing that to you. Be happy that you could be a doer. Now, I, I, I remember hearing also a while back about a certain situation where the woman was complaining that she feels like the tree everyone's leaning on. It was an interesting um, way of expressing it. In my, in my, with, my, with my siblings, I'm the tree everyone leans on. In my home, I'm the tree. My husband leans on me. My kids lean on me. Even my parents lean on me. There are people like that. And you should know in every family, in every kahil, in every group, in every setting, there are, there are those trees... Now those strong people who, if they feel that they're really strong or just by default they realize that they're strong or other people tend to realize that they're strong, people lean on them. And a lot of people don't like it. Well, everyone just, just do their own thing. Just let me be. I have so much that I would do on my own or I, I want to I share it but not all on my own. That's how Shem made people. There are people that are the strong people that other people lean on them. Not everyone realizes they're leaning on them. Like in this case, he doesn't realize he's leaning on you. He's just not making things happen. So automatically he's falling on you. As much as maybe he should be taking more initiative and realizing that maybe he has more responsibility than he thinks, but that's that's who you are. And I've seen situations like this that go on for a long time. I saw a situation recently where somebody, you know, they must have been married already for 35, 40 years, about 35 years, and unfortunately this woman passed away. And the husband, and, and, and they had a wonderful shulun bias, wonderful shulun bias. It was only after this woman passed away, they, they just made chasna just, maybe a first child, second child, it was only afterward that they realized, and I heard this from a married child, we didn't realize how much my mother was doing, and how, how, how much my father was able to rely on her. And it was done with hearts. He wasn't the kind that was able to do it. And she was the stronger one. And she was able to do a lot. And all of a sudden she wasn't there anymore. And whoa, he, he had no clue. He, he, did, he didn't even know if there was a mortgage to pay. And none of it was done with resentment. It was done because naturally... I guess she took the responsibility and he wasn't so good at it and it worked and, and they accepted it. Now maybe he was being more appreciative about it, maybe she was just easier about it, whatever it was, these things happen. And it's not terrible. So it, it, the acceptance and understanding that you could be more goal-oriented and more decisive and you could be more indecisive and part of it's not changing and that acceptance, acceptance is a, is a, is a difficult word but it's such a powerful word and it's, it's, the, it's the key to resolving so many difficulties. Accepting reality doesn't mean you're happy about reality. It means that you're accepting the reality. This is what it is. So if you're going to live in Florida, you're not going to need a raincoat. And if you live in New York, you're going to need one. And you're not going to want to put it on, but you're going to put it on because you know that's what you have to do to not get wet. So acceptance is, is something that's... Um... Now I want to mention a few other things that I picked up in your letter that don't have to change. The fact that you um, see his contribution to the world and this thing that he likes to do, and you appreciate it and you respect it, that, that's wonderful. It's wonderful. Sometimes people are like, maybe I, maybe I shouldn't be so nice about this. Maybe I shouldn't... Uh... No, it's wonderful. He has something he likes to do. He has something he could offer the world. He's into it. That's what he's doing. Wonderful. This Panusa at home, even while he's not making so much money, wonderful. The fact that you, you enjoy your career, 
that, that's wonderful. Don't, don't deny it. Sometimes people really like what they do, but they don't like the fact that they have to do it, so they're going to make believe they don't like it. Or they're going to be harping on the fact that I didn't always like it. You like your career? You're, you're, you're a gebenched person because you like what you do. Thank Hashem that you're doing something you like what you do. Chavis Avodos talks about that. If only every person could like what they do. If only every person could involve themselves most of the day with something they enjoy. You know, as the saying go, um, do what you like and you won't work a day in your life. You're a lucky person. So the fact that you don't enjoy the dynamics and the attitude and everything else, don't deny that you like what you do. Don't deny that you that you um, forgive and, and, and respect what your husband does. These, these are good feelings. Build on them. Think about them. Focus on them. Repeat them. Tell it to him. Very important. Another thing that doesn't necessarily have to change is the fact that you're a human being and you have feelings. And they're valid feelings. And even though I'm telling you that you should try to focus on other things and, and, and come to acceptance, it's okay if things bother you. Don't, don't, don't knock yourself and think that you're a bad person because you have certain feelings. It's okay to have them. It doesn't have to change. It's okay to vent about them once in a while. You mentioned every once in a while you plot. That's the problem. The problem is the plotting. The problem is not the need to vent. The problem is not the need to express feelings. The problem is not the fact that something bothers you. That's normal. You want to vent? Vent. There's a way to vent. And this is what I started off with. There's a way to vent. When you, when, when you vent and you say something that's bothering you, you have to remember that you, you can't retract what you said. Just recently, Yigaman tells me, he's been through a lot of difficulty the first two years of his marriage, and Boksham things settled. He said, but there were things that my wife told me in those difficult, uh, challenging moments of confrontations that I'm not forgetting so fast. Now, she could have apologized, and she could have really said, I'm sorry, and she's not going to say them again. But I can't forget what she told me. Now, again, he wasn't harping on it. He wasn't using it against her. He's not talking about somebody living in the past. He's not a difficult person, this guy, at all. But she admitted to certain things that, that aren't going away because they're true. You could say, I'm sorry, and you might be more sensitive to not say them again. But I heard, I, heard, I realized what you just said. I got it. It's hard for me to believe, and it's hard for you to make believe that you all of a sudden think differently or feel differently about something necessarily. You're being more sensitive, and I appreciate that. And he really did. But it was just so hard for him to realize certain things that are a reality that maybe should have never been said. You can't pull back a word. Now, it doesn't mean that once you say something, you should always feel bad for, bad for the rest of your life. But you have to know how to say something. When you wait for a challenging moment, and then you vent, in the moment, and you say the wrong things, that's the part that's a problem. If you feel something's getting to you, and you think about what you want to say, and how you want to say it, and when you want to say it, and you have a sit-down conversation. So you know, maybe we can discuss something. And you could even say, you could preface it. I've heard people master this. It's not natural, usually. I just want to vent. I want to tell you what's bothering me. Don't take it personal. Um, I, you know, I, I just want to share with you my feelings. You don't have to answer even. I just, I'll appreciate it if you hear me out. And you know how I feel. He's not getting defensive because he knows you're venting. He's not getting defensive because you're not waiting for an answer. And, and you're talking with cycle and you know what you're saying. You're talking about yourself and your feelings and not about him and not about his deficiencies. Nothing personal. You know, there's definitely a way to do it and you're allowed to do that. It doesn't have to change. To feel that you can't express yourself and just have all that internal mess and just be bothered by certain things, you know, that's not something that uh, is good. Another thing that I do want to mention is that you want more appreciation. You probably deserve more appreciation. Um, and you're allowed to say it in the right time, in the right, you know, like you said, it would mean so much to me if you could tell me thank you, if you can notice what I did. It's fine. Saying it the right way. On the other hand, this I will um, tweak a little, it's also important for every husband and wife, and this is a common thing that I want more appreciation from my spouse for what I do. Remind yourself, I'm doing this for me and for my family and, to, and for my fulfillment and obligation. And I should be doing this. And I feel good doing it. And if I can get more appreciation for it, it's even better. And if I can't, then I'll have to suffice with the fact that I'm doing the right thing. I feel good about it. I'm not going to be dependent on somebody else 
boosting my ego and making me feel good the whole time. Again, you deserve appreciation and you're allowed to ask for it. And it's also good to remind yourself that the reason why you're doing this you know, is, is, is right. Now, so again, I'm slowly um, shifting over to things that might be able to be different. But before I do, let me just add one more thing. That's something I heard this past week also from an older guy coming to me um, struggling in his marriage. But, you know, things were basically stable over the years. Now it looked like they're reaching a point where, you know, what if we have to separate? What if my wife wants to go away? And things like that. And he tells me something interesting. So, you know, I came to realize somebody told him, somebody he spoke to, you know what? If she doesn't want to stay with you, let her not stay with you. You'll have a better life without her and you'll marry someone else. So he says, listen, I know that nobody's perfect. Everybody has their Mishigasana. I got used to my wife's Mishigasana. I could tolerate them already. Why should I go find someone else and then realize what that, what that person's coming with? And I'm too old already to get used to something new. You know, when you think about it, it sounds cute, but the idea is that everybody has Mishigasana. Sometimes you have to get used to them. Sometimes it comes a point that's what acceptance is about. I accept the fact that this will probably not change. And you know what? I can live with it because who knows what somebody else will bring. Now, obviously, it wasn't the question of finding someone else. I just mean to say that it comes a point where you just accept the fact that, yes, this is my spouse's um, deficiency. And I learned, I learned it already. I got used to it. And as long as it's contained here and I know what it is, I'll be okay. It's just something to think about. Now, I do want to mention another thing, and that's something that you also threw in between the lines. My husband would probably think if he helps a lot, I think he doesn't. A lot of this is perception. I'm not, I'm not questioning your perception. I'm not questioning the validity of what you're writing, but it's perception. Some of it is even debatable. Some of it is debatable. It's important to see that. It's important that some people that are listening to this might feel like you're overreacting. It's important to realize that your husband might see it differently. So it's not, it's not so much factual, it's, it's emotional, and you're entitled to an opinion, but it's also important to remember there might be another way to see it. One, one part which I just wanted to you know, just um, point out, for example, he mentions that he's useless. You see it as him absolving himself of, of being more responsible. Okay, that's a perception. You just interpreted something he said in the way that you understand what his intention was. He's telling me he's useless, because like this, I'm useless anyway, so I don't have to do anything. Maybe he's saying he's useless because he feels useless. Maybe he feels useless because, again, I don't mean to blame you, but maybe he feels useless because of how he feels you look at him, or in contrast to you, being married to someone so dominating and driven, he feels a little useless. Something to think about. And there's definitely ways to make him feel less useless. There's ways to feel that you need him more, and you respect him more, and you depend more on him. I've spoken about this recently a few times in speeches. Um, Satman and I spoke about this a lot, about making someone else feel like you really need them. That will make them feel more useful. So instead of constantly noticing or pointing out, or not even pointing out, but mentioning or having it become obvious that you're the one picking up the slack and doing all the things and he's the one that's just taking the free ride, maybe try to come up with creative ways to make him feel like you really do need him more and he'll feel more useful and feel better about himself, better about the relationship, and take more responsibility. So that's, that's definitely you know, just a general idea. And going on to more ideas, like we started off with communication, it's fine for you to want things to change, and within the bounds of understanding the personalities over here, and within the bounds of understanding how much could and can change, you're allowed, to, you're allowed to express yourself and communicate about the things you want to happen. You don't have to be afraid. There's a way to communicate and a time to communicate. You could be very assertive and express yourself in a healthy way about what you wish would happen. You, could, you, 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 want, to, you want to express yourself with patience. Don't make it something like you're demanding something to happen right now. You're, you're sharing an idea. You want to be very consistent with what you're sharing. You don't want to six months not say anything and then plots. You're consistent about the same kind of message being said again and again in a very calm and nice and patient way. Very nice. All while making someone else feel very good. All while boosting their ego and giving them all the compliments they deserve. Don't wait for a frustrating moment. 
you can communicate, pick up on the few points that you feel are the most reasonable and most feasible and most practical and talk to your husband about them in a nice time and tell him, you know, it means so much to me when you do this. You once did that. I really appreciated it. Maybe we could try to do this together. Maybe There's so many nice ways to do that. Why, why keep it in yourself and why plots? Instead of getting resentful, so of course you have to work within the bounds of what you believe could change and can't and pick up on the things that you, you know, start with small things. I think that you'll, de- you'll definitely feel better if you could address it the right way and not just feel like you have to accept everything you know, in, a resent- in a resentful way. In regard to the work arrangement, okay, I don't want to rock the boat. If, you, if you're happy in your career and bring in the money and he's doing his little thing, it's fine. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want what I say now to rock the boat. So just, I'm just mentioning, sometimes you look at something like, it can't change, what do we do now? It has to be this way. Who said? Maybe in a very nice conversation, you can say, listen, I'll admit that I love my job and my career. I'm not resenting the fact that I work. I'm so happy that you could um, you know, work in things that you like. I would appreciate if maybe we could discuss going forward if there is a way to bring in a little more money and like this different different parts of the money I put I, I earn can be put away we're going to make house one day we have to marry a bunch of children can I know how to I don't, I don't have to quit my job and throw it at you if I really like what I'm doing but maybe there's a way to work out better an arrangement that, that again only if it's reasonable and practical and not something that's going to cause more frustration and friction maybe, maybe there's a way to work things out better and you'll feel better and he'll feel better and he'll realize that you know this, this is uh, practical and reasonable there's definitely a lot of ways to, to communicate. So, there's a lot to say, and there's a lot to do. Uh, one, more, one thing I do want to mention, again, I don't want to rock the boat in a bad way, but a lot of times there are people that make this mistake. They're basically enabling, um, unintentionally, they're enabling someone else's um, lack of performance. You, you say that if you wouldn't have been proactive and taken initiative, then your husband would, um, you would still be in your first apartment. It could be, it could be not. I've seen many people assume that if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. Who said? Because I didn't do it for two days, it didn't happen. Maybe it would have happened the third day. I'm going to wait three days for, this, for the dishes to get washed? Maybe. Again, you don't have to. But if you would have waited another two days, and there would be no more dishes left, and when your husband comes home, you say, maybe we could wash the dishes together, or, or I want to serve supper, but you know, there's no dishes yet, so I'm not sure. There are ways to make things happen, and sometimes your husband just needed to wait until he had to make it happen, and then he'll make it happen. Or when it has to happen, and then you'll ask him, and then it will happen. Now, you don't want to ask. I understand you don't want to ask. Sometimes you have to ask. Sometimes without the b'fichu v'avchu, it's not going to be l'asayseh. All I mean to say is that sometimes you don't realize how much you're covering and picking up the slack and stepping step up to the plate, and you're doing it just a few steps before him, and that's why it's not happening. Now, I'm not saying that everything would happen the same way if you wouldn't do it. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do it, because if you're a doer, and you're somebody who could accomplish, and you're somebody who has uh, you know, that intuitive and... and, and way of, of taking initiative and making things happen, then, then go ahead and do it. It's not terrible. But sometimes, being a little slower and a little more patient and a little more expressive might make things happen. So part of watching someone be um, 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 not, not disabled, but you know, just not doing what they should, part of it has to do with somebody else covering for them. So think about it. I wonder how much of your husband's feeling useless and, and not being able to do things the right way is because... He's married to someone so dominating and so amazing and so, you know, proactive. And something to think about. So, like the serenity prayer goes, you know, um, Hashem, grant me the wisdom to know um, the things, to change the things that could change, to accept the things that can't, and, and the wisdom to know the difference. I think it's so important here. The things that won't change because it's a personality issue and a personality clash, and it is what it is, and you accept it, those are the things you just accept and don't try to change them in general. The things that could change with the right communication, with the patience, and the nice attitude, and the assertiveness, and the consistency, you know, with that, things could change, small things could change, 
and, and without enabling things to go on, and without, um, you know, by making the right changes in a healthy way, and communicating the right way, and making someone feel really good, they could change. And the Chochmah to know the difference, and to be okay with the difference. I mean, I was still, with the, real, with the right acceptance, accepting your role, and accepting who you are, and accepting, you know, how things turned out that, you, that you're taking care of, which is wonderful, accepting someone else, and all their malice, and accepting the fact, like you started off with, thanking Hashem for the fact that we're best friends, and we understand each other, and we love each other. Accept it all. And in one big package, when I was still able to live together, Mahavach Shalom Barayas.